The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Welcome back to The Other Wrestling Show after a brief hiatus. Uh, we missed last week. I blame Mike. Yeah, I had I had Dynamite, actually at Dynamite on Wednesday, but that was in Worcester. So it was like, I didn't get home to like... 1130 midnight and then i had elton john the next night and we didn't get home to like two in the morning and then by the time friday came along i was dying so um i'll take the l on this one this one's on me um <laughs> just by being at dynamite um yeah i took i took my girlfriend uh with me her first time ever going to pro wrestling and did, boy did she have some thoughts <laughs> we can get to a little bit later but uh Joel, why don't we just dive straight into tonight's uh, Dynamite? Do it. Stock up, stock down. Because this is the third time we've tried to start the podcast, I lost my rundown. Joel, I think we're going to start with the elites and the undisputed elites. Indeed. And and what do we call the undisputed elite now that they're no longer? I mean, are they now the disputed elite? And they should be, but um, it's funny. It seems or are like, they just undisputed? I don't know. That's that's the problem. Like, do they take the naming rights with them? Do the Bucks no longer want to be elite? So, to recap, uh, we had the reunion of the undisputed elite tonight. Uh, everyone but Kenny Omega, which I'm sure we'll get to that in a second. Um, but yeah, Adam Cole, Bobby. O'Reilly, no, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly. It's been a while since I've had to say these names. Um, turned on the Bucks, and we're about to really do some damage. And out came your the best Adam, the best Adam in his butterfly jeans, Butter. Adam Hingman Page. Um, so Joel, this has kind of been what we've been kind of texting back and forth over the last few weeks. You know, they've been kind of teasing this reunion between Adam Page and the Young Bucks. Um, I believe they go by the Hung Bucks when they are uh, together, right? I, I have heard that before, yes. <laughs> so I don't know if they can say that on TV. Um, but I, Joel, they can what, say that on TV. <laughs> what do you think of this This kind of, you know, the, the breakup? And then what do you think this means going forward? Well, I, I for one, am very excited about it. Um, I don't particularly like the Bucks with adam cole kyle o'reilly and bobby fish just a weird dynamic and it didn't work for me in AEW specifically because obviously like they have history in other places and and it works but bringing those two disparate groups together especially with bobby fish and kyle o'reilly working as red dragon and it's like no red dragon were kind of rivals of the bucks and the bullet club and Mm -hmm. like that whole piece just felt super weird and then they've also felt like they were at odds the entire time so it feels like it's been a long time coming for this betrayal and i liked how it went down um and i knew as soon as adam cole was like and the most important thing is loyalty it's like oh you're (laughs) gonna talk about loyalty right before you stab them in the back Mm -hmm. this is wonderful yeah i i feel like if we hadn't had the injuries to adam cole and kyle o'reilly that this would have probably happened a few weeks ago, like maybe even before the trios title was announced. Cause they've been teasing this all spring. There was tension going back to basically the minute Kenny Omega left, uh, for his, you know, recovery. So I definitely, 
This has been in the works for a long time. Uh, I don't know. I feel like just a few more sentences uh, in this promo could have just given us a little more as to why they were breaking up. But I'm also not naive. A lot of pro wrestling breakups and hero turns, they don't say much. They just do it. And then we hear more later. Um, And honestly, I prefer that. You know, I don't give me something to think about. Give me something to chew on for a week until you're back on television to give me the why. Like, I like that we got uh, kind of jumping around a little bit here, but I like that we got a Will Hobbs squash match Mm -hmm. and then a little bit of a mini confrontation between him and Starks. But we didn't we haven't gotten Will Hobbs side of the story yet. Yeah, he hasn't gotten on the mic and cut a promo and we're still waiting for that. So that's something to anticipate and something to look forward to. And I think we're kind of in the same boat here with this undisputed elite storyline. I don't know exactly the reason they're going to choose. There's plenty to go with. But, you know, is it? purely because the Bucks were shopping around for a tag team partner and trying to figure out who they wanted and going after Adam Page. And, you know, if that was their plan, it seems to have worked. So, you know. Yeah, it could be a simple something as simple as like, nah, we want the trio's titles. Like, us three want it, not you. Um, and it it does feel like the the trios tournament will inevitably end with a potentially hung bucks and whatever Adam Cole undisputed era. I'm just referring that to them until we get clarity on what they're going to go by. So um, some of the language in the promo tonight suggested to me that they're not going to be able to compete. Like, I mean, that could just be heel work, you know, that could draw them in to get them, you know, into position where they could attack. Because then Cole hit him with a you know pretty you know fast and swift super kick, and the beatdown commenced. But there was no blows to the head or anything like that. Yeah, so. I mean, he started off with like I'm not cleared to compete. That's not usually bullshit, you know. Like usually when a wrestler gets in the ring and tells you I haven't been medically cleared to compete, that's usually legit. I mean. They they blur the lines, you know. We literally had a match last week where Danielson was like having concussion symptoms in his match despite being cleared to compete. So I think that they could, you know, that could just be a tactic or something. I just, you know, based off all reports, you know, we're going outside of kayfabe here, but it seems like Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole were, you know, on the precipice of being cleared and they could be cleared by the time we get to all out. Mm -hmm. And with the way that a trios tournament could work, you could have them on the apron and just not get them involved depending on the way that, you know, you structure the matches or something like that. But we also, we haven't really been giving any other details about this tournament. You got to get this tournament underway. Um, I kind of wish, you know, like it didn't need to be as drawn out as like the Owen, which lasted what, two and a half months, three months. But like when they announced the trios tournament was going to start last week or that we were having it, I felt like we should have had one match on tonight's show. Like, hey, these are a trio, two trio teams. We'll release the bracket, you know, at a later date. But these, mm-hmm. this is happening, just because we're also we're, we're running close to all outs in a, what four weeks, three weeks. Yeah, broadly, I agree with that. But I think where they're going to be okay is that I anticipate this is going to be a small field. When you eight think about trios, maybe? eight tops. I can't imagine more. 
I, I that's think twenty four people is six. <laughs> you know, you might First have round buys. Yeah, two opening round matches to determine who faces off against teams that get a buy, and mm-hmm. then uh, semifinals and finals. I think that might be all we get here because you know six teams. That's eighteen wrestlers. Yeah, eight teams is twenty four. Yeah. Anything beyond that, like. Are there 30 wrestlers who you could throw into trios I mean, teams that with the way that AEW works, you can probably just get some outside teams for a one-off for like I get that, but what's funsies. The point? Well, like, you know, no, but I agree. It I should think it's going to be six teams, maybe eight teams, and that's going to come together very quickly. And since we're on the topic of the trios, you know, we didn't record last week. We didn't get to talk about this news that the trios titles are coming to AEW. Uh, Joel, I first really got introduced to the magic of trios, you know, actual trios matches when you got me into Ring of Honor. And from just my history, then my favorite thing about trios belts is that you can just have an established tag team and a dude like like they, <laughs> they don't need to be aligned. They don't need to be part of the same faction, which is why it makes it so fun. I, th- I always remember, like, wasn't it like Bubba Ray was always just in these weird six man teams? that were like competing for titles in ring of honor. Like I'm not worried about like the setup of the trio teams because Mm -hmm. they can just kind of pop out of nowhere. Um, and Bully Ray, Shane Taylor. I mean, there were a handful of kind of mercenaries who would mm -hmm. slot themselves into, um, trios teams. One of my favorite trios in ring of honor was, uh, beer city bruiser, Brian Malonis and Silas young. Because you had Silas Young, who's like the technician, this great Mm -hmm. worker with these two gigantic human beings. (laughs) They were huge. And it was just fun to watch because both Brian Malonis and Beer City Bruiser can do stuff that you don't expect them to be able to do. Like I saw Brian Malonis do like a cartwheel dodge one time. And it's like that that guy does not look like he can do a cartwheel dodge. No, it wasn't the prettiest, but it worked. He did it. I can't do a cartwheel like <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm excited for this. Trios matches are so fun when they do it right. And with the indie style, it really makes sense. Um, thinking of the teams that could be in this, you know, like we obviously have what we think is be the Hung Bucks, potentially Undisputed Era. You know, if there's rooms for other teams, I would love to see just put Dalton Castle and the boys in there as the Ring of Honor trios team. Just like get a match or two out of them. Um Hell, you could bring what was uh, ah, ring ring of honor was only like ten days ago, and I'm having trouble remembering. What's uh, Vincent's is yes. you're thinking of? Like you could bring them in. Um, feel like it's a good opportunity to get some of the non Jericho Daniel Garcia Jericho Appreciation Society guys into a match. So there's plenty of teams that they can fill in this, but it I don't know. It, it just feels like this is a clash course for the the hung bucks and the undisputed era, but we'll see. I'm excited. Part of it though is about finding like people who aren't already involved in stuff because mm-hmm. and that's hard. And, and that's the tricky piece. That's why I think it's going to be a small field. Cause obviously like there's a ton of talent signed to the company. There's a ton of talent associated with ring of honor. Mm-hmm. You could put together a whole ton of teams, but there's also not that much time and there's even less TV time. Yeah. So I, I think smaller is better here, especially if that means that each match is going to get a little bit more time. Because uh, I'd much rather see, you know, five 15 minute matches than, you know, 10 matches with half as much time. Yeah, I, I think you hit the sweet pot. Six to eight teams, you know, is ideal. Anything more than that, you're just diminishing returns. So 
All right. Well, why don't we move on, uh, Joel? Um, once again, losses rundown. I think we wanted to talk about the women's tag team match from tonight. Yes, indeed. Uh, what, what do they go by? Thunderstorm? <laughs> I hate that name. <laughs> Thunderstorm uh, versus Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Um, a few things that just popped in my head uh, watching this one. It got a great spot on the show, which I think really helped. It was what? The second match on the card. Um, crowd was hot. It wasn't following another prominent male match or something like that. Um, so crowd was really into it. Uh, I was, re- I really liked Hater and Britt Baker having matching ring gear. You don't see that a lot with women tag teams because they usually are just thrown together. So I kind of like them acknowledging, hey, we're a team. We've been in this group for a long time. We're going to have matching gear. And the gear looked really cool. It was kind of like this, what, red, blue, and gold kind of Captain uh, Wonder Woman-esque colors. And Britt had like, tassels on it like a general like <laughs> um i just really really liked the the uh the aesthetic there and then third this match rocked this was so much fun um joe what do you have to say about this match i really dug the match really cool spots hard hitting stuff i like that jamie hater got the the pinfall Dub. win yeah. which kind of sets up this uh match for battle of the belts where she's going to be squaring off with rosa for the title which should be a great match. Mm-hmm. Um, card. I really dug the promo from Britt Baker setting this up where she kind of used some, you know, typical heel tactics to try to create a rift between Rosa and Tony Storm. And we saw that play out a little bit in the match. You know, the finish was set up by a, mm-hmm. you know, patented malfunction at the junction. And um, <laughs> that kind of led into that giant clothesline from Jamie Hayter that closed the match. So uh, I like that they're kind of starting to plant the seeds of breaking up Tony Storm and um, and Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa. Goodness gracious. It's I've spent that too we're... much time in the sun this week. Uh, <laughs> you look tan, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have not. I'm inside all the time. Um, yeah, it, I don't know. I Without like an established women's tag team division, I didn't really. Yeah, I don't like the Thunderstorm name. Like, it's kind of weird. And it, it, I always thought it was a little weird that they teamed up right after they had like a championship match. I know they're baby faces who, you know, it was a respect thing. But I don't know. It just always felt weird to me and it feels very y2aj to me yeah and nothing was better than them releasing y2aj shirts and then that week them breaking up that was <laughs> yeah it was literally a thing for a week and yeah. i i feel like we're we're milk a few days past expiration with this thunderstorm thing like obviously they can have great matches but i don't want to see them as a team i want to see them squaring off yeah, like, and the problem with this dynamic of making them this little like name team for a little bit is how do you break it up? Like, do you turn one of them heel? Or like have you ever seen this situation work where the two faces are like, hey, this just isn't working. Let's just end it and go our separate ways. <laughs> like, I mean, I'd be fine with that being a thing. I think Honestly, I would be for like if I'm doing if I got the fantasy book right now. Give me these four women in a fatal four way at all out because like give me that dynamic because we've had the Britt Baker hater tension over the last what year, six, eight months. And this thunderstorm thing is, you know, 
probably built to break apart at some point too. And yeah, you get these four women, put them in a, give them 20 minutes on all out. Yeah. Let's, let's see this play out over the next to month. to see a double turn and yeah, to somehow see like Jamie Hayter go face and Thunder Rosa turn heel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Rosa would make a great heel. It'd be oh, interesting yeah. and it would help her to develop her character some more. Um, and Jamie Hayter is somebody that the crowd wants to cheer for. Like, yeah, we dig Jamie Hayter. She's great. And oh, you, you have the situation where like haters going for the pin. Brit pulls her off of Tony Storm. They start shoving and boom. Turn. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But one thing about Hayter, I think I mentioned this every time she wrestles the way that she takes like the splash off the turnbuckle. She oh, like yeah. throws herself into the person. I don't don't really see anyone else on the roster take that spot like that. It just looks she sells really well. Yeah. Like I, I legit want to say like top five, top 10, um, especially like definitely top two or three in the women's division as, as a whole. Um, so just, yeah, rocket, rocket ship to the uh, strap a rocket to her back. I think is what I'm trying to say. Um, any spots from this match stand out to you? The, the, what was it? The air raid crash off the turnbuckle. I thought it looked yeah, that gnarly. Was pretty, pretty wild um it was that and honestly those several uh flying crossbodies that jamie Hayter took because mm-hmm. like you said like it just always looks great and um she does she takes it a little bit differently it's almost like a i want to say it's like lucia style uh um, yeah it, it's something it it's great and i also I thought the what final... her background is in terms of like where in the world Training she's stuff. worked i'm fairly certain she's worked in japan um, and obviously in the UK, but uh, yeah, you mentioned too that, that like, you thought her uh, ring gear had some, uh, was it Joshi? Yeah, it, you know, felt, it references felt like on it. Joshi yeah. adjacent to me, like obviously not as extravagant or mm-hmm. elaborate, but the combination of colors, some of the like leg bands that she mm-hmm. had on and stuff like I associate the colorful stripes and, you know, different layers of material yeah. with that kind of joshi presentation i mean one of the things with asuka that i always was like it always looked like there was like a thong on her ring gear and like the same thing with jamie Hayter's ring gear i'm like she no 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 there's more fabric there it's just the way that it's angled i'm like hmm. so yeah reminded me of asuka's gear and i like that they have the same colors but their gear was still like uniquely them like Britt baker's gear was still similar to what she always wears and this was Hayter's yeah i mean that's what gear, tag so. team gear should look like yeah. you don't want to go out in the exact same thing that just makes you look like a couple jobbers yeah <laughs> yep um anything else about this before we move on to our next topic uh just that we need more of it you know this yeah is, this was this is really the only women's segment i think tonight uh yeah yeah um yeah so hopefully that <laughs> it's when they give them time it always delivers so i just need that i need madison rain to beat that into tony khan's head moving forward um, I think that's something maybe to touch on here uh, yeah. briefly is uh, the, the announcement that uh, Madison Rain has been brought in as a coach for the women's division. I think that's excellent. Uh, she's a great talent, tons of experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, she's got to be pretty high on the list of active women in North America for like years in the business. I mean, I remember watching her like in TNA in college. And then I know like I'm looking at her wiki right now. Like 
she was got to be close to 20 years experience oh she it looks like here she made her debut in 2005 yeah okay so 17 years and i remember a few months ago i said man i really wish there was just more you know veteran women from that like mid-2000s era from wwe that they could bring over for the name recognition um and then we realized there weren't that many that they could bring in um but this i feel like this is kind of the same thing and it announced tonight that she's going to be having a match on rampage um so it looks like we may get her in the ring a bit too which i think is a really good um good thing so yeah absolutely and not only was she announced as a coach there was a whole press release on talent relations um department and positions so i think it was sanjay dutt qt marshall um oh that redhead i can never remember pat buck um i think i'm missing one more person but uh, we've we've talked before about how, you know, AW seems to have some miscommunication um, issues. And some I think this got to be related to the Jonathan Gresham debacle. Oh, 100. That was a, a week ago. Totally dropped the ball. Less, with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know what? It, it sucks that it happens. And, you know, there's been no news on whether or not he's actually been granted a release. Maybe they can salvage it. And this is part of salvaging it. But. Sometimes with companies or even just, you know, teams, you, sometimes you have to fall on your face a little bit before real change can can happen. So hopefully this can help resolve the issues we've been hearing about for what? The last year, year Longer. and a half in AEW, um, you know, it's as great as they do, as AEW has done, there's still room for improvement across the board. So, um, yeah, let's hope this works out. But, Joel, I want to move on to our next topic and what. I didn't think would be this fun. I love me a dumpster match. <laughs> there was so much in this between the, the pre uh, pre match rap, the match itself. This was super fun. Everyone loves the acclaim and good for the gun club, man. Like a few months ago, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of done. I don't need guns on my TV anymore. And they trusted basically three young and four youngins in this match um, that needed to go off like perfectly. Cause you had a lot of high spots. You had a lot of danger spots, like just kind of kudos for AW trusting all four of them in this spot. Yeah, absolutely. This is a super fun match. Got some really cool spots. The uh, diving elbow drop off of the tunnel was really mm-hmm. impressive. That looked great. Um, of course, the kind of finale after the match was over of pushing the dumpster off the stage, that was fucking terrifying. Well, uh, the, the lids flew open. The lids needed to stay shut. I was like worried that a gun club's arm was going to be like out. Well, of there were the... a couple of feet underneath the yeah. edge of that dumpster after it landed. Like, I hope they're OK like that. Yeah. <laughs> it looked and, messy. And just for, you know, some of you newer ref- wrestling fans, but uh, God, 20 something years ago, the new age outlaws versus Mick Foley. And was it Terry Funk? So too many funks. Um, I, before my time, I wasn't watching during that. Oh, well, so this, this is a pretty infamous match where, uh, they had a dumpster match and then, uh, the new age outlaws pushed to Mick Foley and Terry Funk off the stage in the dumpster. And I was like, there's no way they're going to do this again. Are they? And it worked. And it's just, once again, it just shows kind of Tony Khan's respect to the history of wrestling because it's an easter egg you know it's kind of a, and it's also cool to you know the guns 
dad Billy was in that moment, and now it's kind of the roles are reversed. Like, imagine Billy, like, yeah, I didn't have to take that spot 20 years ago. I have no fucking clue how not to die. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a lucky like, one. When, when, um, Austin initially got dumped into that dumpster and all the packing peanuts came out, I was like, oh, that, those like should have been in bags or something so that they didn't come flying out. And then when they dumped it off the stage, I was like, oh, that's why they were loose. Yeah. They just needed to have a whole bunch of loose packing peanuts in there so that they didn't die when they got dumped Mm -hmm. off the stage inside of that. Obviously very heavy. Like that was not a prop dumpster. That was a legitimate dumpster. Yeah. And like, when you like go back and watch the clip from WWF, um, I don't know if like maybe that one was not a real dumpster or maybe it's just because Billy Gunn and Road Dog are stronger. Well, those, those are huge human beings you're talking about. Yeah, like, they just run that thing at full speed off the the, the stage. Um, it was a little scary, too, because they kept getting caught on like the pyrotechnic stuff. So I'm like, I'm like, guys, come on, you got to go. If you're yeah, going to do Bowens this, spot, you got to go <laughs> really careful about like not letting those wheels get because I mean, at that point, if those wheels go off the side, they're falling to the fans. <laughs> well, no, they're not falling at all. Like the, the spot isn't happening because now the dumpster yeah. is stuck and that dumpster is going to be on the stage for the rest of the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, also to the, the Vince McMahon reference uh, in the rap, I, we talked before that, you know, he need like last year when he got, was it last year he got suspended? I think it was last year um, that he has to like work on his reps to make sure that he's not like, Got to punch up, not down. And I think punching up at Vince McMahon uh, being (laughs) retiring and then uh, Joe Biden's COVID test being positive. I feel like those are good references that really no one's going to walk away being offended. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. I mean, he still has some missteps here and there. There was like an Amber Heard reference in his rap on Rampage. And it's like, really? That's not even fresh. Like... (laughs) That verdict happened weeks and weeks ago. Yeah, so. I want to. I want to go back and watch some early John Cena raps and see what was going on in the world when he dropped them. See if they were like super relevant. I always, rem- I always remember that I went to Raw, uh, SmackDown at the RBC Center in Raleigh, and like earlier that day, like the U.S. killed Saddam Hussein's like sons in a raid, and he mentioned that in his rap. I'm like, oh, I saw that on TV earlier. <laughs> I remember them mostly being topical about the city that he was in and yeah. less about like current events. So, you know, although there were like current sports references, I feel like that yeah. was the thing that happened a lot. He would bag on whatever mm-hmm. your your local your sports heroes. Hero I feel was. like that's an easier, less risky way to go about it. <laughs> but yeah. Hey, when it works, it works. Um, Anything, any spots from this match? I thought Bowens looked really good at only being a few weeks reviews from coming back. Um, I kind of liked when Caster like revealed himself on top of the tunnel. Like it's not quite like Keith Lee coming out of the mists and fucking you up. I think he put his own spin on it, though, because he wasn't like stone faced and just looking menacing. It was like, yeah, it was much more like animated and excited and i think it worked for that reason had he tried to do like a keith lee impression (laughs) that's not gonna work because you don't have the the stature of keith lee 
So who does? You know, <laughs> who I, I, who does? <laughs> yeah. Um, one last thing about this, uh, kind of tying it to the trios thing. Um, my buddy Nick made a really good point that with the young bucks looking to be moving into the trios direction, FTR kind of doing their own thing outside of the AW tag team picture, um, title picture that it gives a chance for like teams like the acclaimed to potentially get a title reign here in the next few months or private party or, you know, I mean, obviously like Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland are example of that too. Like it kind of helps that they're moving these two bigger, like all time teams out of the way. So we can finally get some kind of new fresh faces here in the tag team division. And yeah, I want to see the acclaimed win the belts by February. Cause I feel like, <laughs> I feel like they, they like, imagine, imagine the rap battle between Max Caster and Swerve Strickland. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Caster is getting the floor mopped with him at that point. <laughs> um, well, it's more competition than one of the guns. I'll that's tell you that. certainly true. Although that segment was actually good. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I did not expect to enjoy that, and it was fun. I think he could say that about this entire acclaimed gun story. Like, Also, like, side note, when people bitch, oh, AEW hasn't really done some good stories lately. This goes back months. Yeah. Like. And we all thought, oh, okay, this is an awkward, weird, fun pairing. And then they made it work. Scissor me, daddy gun is the funniest thing I've ever heard on TV. Um, daddy and then, ass. Daddy ass, sorry. Um, and then it culminating in this fun stipulation match. Like, that's a good, that's a, that's a good return on three months of storytelling. I also feel like this really rehabilitated the acclaimed from mm-hmm. being a team that you didn't take seriously, that you didn't expect to win matches and this little run that they've been on and winning this feud coming out on top and this feud better be fucking over. I can't imagine. Dumps, you, you don't get dumps do off the more edge. after a big stip match like that. Like that is where you end it. That is definitive. They got yeah. tossed off the stage in a dumpster. It's over. Go home. Do not pass. Go do not collect $200. <laughs> like, well, I feel both teams made a tear jump here because I think we can look at the acclaimed as a legit title contender now. And the guns, they're they're not just Billy Gunn's kids anymore. You know, like Billy wasn't there. He wasn't wasn't involved in this match at all. Well, um, he got murked right at the beginning. Well, you know what I mean? Like he wasn't involved <laughs> in any of the finish or anything like that. Like, yeah, it truly was the, the gun kids versus the acclaim. So I feel like they both took a step up and, you know, probably have the guns kind of do some smaller things. But another team that you could probably say, Hey, in the next year or so, like they could be up another tier. So, um, yeah, I just think a good example of how they actually are developing in AEW, not the narrative that they don't develop anyone. Cause that's just bullshit. Yeah. So all right. I think there's a, there's a short attention span problem where yeah. if something's not happening every week, then people think that it's, you know, disjointed or that there's no storytelling happening. It's like, no, you just have to kind of hold these things in your head. Yeah. Um, and reflect gosh you have to reflect and think about things that you've seen before (laughs) just patience past experiences like i don't know i i get kind of annoyed with that because it's like if you don't think there's storytelling going on that you're not truly paying attention and i'm only half paying attention right because they want you to watch dark and dark elevations yeah and i don't watch that shit if it's on youtube it's it's not there for me i don't consider a canon <laughs> right it's like does does this all atlantic championship does it really exist i don't think I mean, it does 
I'm honestly fine with how the all Atlantic Championships been working. Like I'm fine. It's a fever dream, and <laughs> and it's it's the Pack Championship. Pack, they, you don't want to be in the United States all the time. On, they tell me it gets defended on dark, but I don't know. <laughs> all right, buddy, you want, ready to move over to lightning round? Let's do it. Lightning round. Well, Joel, I'll let you start because you wanted to talk about uh, Stokely. And I yes. bumped it from the, the main segment. So you have the floor, sir. Yeah, you bully. Uh, <laughs> Stokely Hathaway. Who's who's having a better time right now than Stokely Hathaway? He is showing up everywhere and just having so much fun. I cannot believe WWE couldn't figure out how to use this guy. Like, this is classic failure of Vince hates managers. Like, yeah. He's so freaking good. He's doing great stuff with Jade. He's made Layla Gray relevant in AEW. He made me hate Lee Moriarty. <laughs> yeah, it, me, the stuff with Lee Moriarty, I'm so excited for. I love this. Lee Moriarty has a style that lends itself to being a heel. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have the kind of rep like a Brian Danielson to where you can work that style and still be a babyface, or John Moxley, where you can work that style and yeah. still be a babyface. Like Moriarty needs to spend some time as a heel. I think it's going to really benefit him, and being paired with Stokely Hathaway is going to be great. And then tonight, oh baby, I loved this segment with Ethan Page. First off, Page just angrily screaming into the microphone for a couple minutes. I thoroughly enjoyed, and Always then works. the timing of the moment where Hathaway realizes that Ethan page has hopped out of the ring and is coming up behind him. And he just pauses and waits for him. And then in lockstep, they proceed up the ramp uh, Mm -hmm. because Ethan page has decided to join with Stokely Hathaway. And I also like that these conversations happen, but they happen off the mic. I love his tactic of like, I'm not going to get on the mic and talk with you in front of all these people. I'm going to whisper in your ear and it's going to be something that convinces you that I'm the right way to go. And that mystery, that element of we're not privy Mm -hmm. to that conversation just makes it so much better. I love it. He can still jump on the mic and cut promos, but he's talking at us in those moments. And when he's talking to one of his clients, we don't get to have that conversation. I like that. Yeah, it just kind of like what what power does he have? Like what what power of word does this guy just throw at these wrestlers to convince them? I look at it as like power agents in the NFL. Like sometimes Drew Rosenhaus doesn't have to pitch to the top 10 draft pick. I'm Drew Rosenhaus. Okay. And I feel like Stokely Hathaway is doing the same thing. He's like, come on. Um, it also so- differentiates him from the other major manager in the company. Uh, Mark Sterling, who mm-hmm. is the loudmouth bombastic, like, I'm going to jump on the mic and talk and get in your face and we're going to litigate this in front of everybody. And Stokely Hathaway is taking a more like puppet master approach. And I really dig that. Yeah, it. Yeah. God, managers, when they're used right, are amazing. It's like it really is a bummer that they I guess it's not a bummer because WWE's loss is our gain. Um, by getting him on our TV and he's got a nice little faction, uh, form in there. Um, really excited to see how it, uh, plays out down the line. 
Um, Joel, something I wanted to talk about is uh, kind of just the stretch that Jay Lethal has been having. Um, the last few weeks, maybe even months, like him carrying the entire television um, championship feud while Samoa Joe was out filming a movie um, to what he's done the last few weeks. Like, I just love his pairing with Sanjay Dutt. I love um, Satsum Singh as the muscle here. And every match he does, it's like, he's just so damn good. And this match with Orange Cassidy tonight was no different. Um, it, it was just so much fun. Jay Lethal's a perfect heel. Like, he just really just has complete control over how he wants to act in the ring. And when he first showed up in AEW, he was a face. And the styles are basically completely different. Like, there are some wrestlers that when they change from face to heel, they still wrestle the same way. Not Jay Lethal. <laughs> um and also the lethal injection is still one of the smoothest looking finishers in all of wrestling. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty tough to beat. Yeah, I just wanted to give Jay Lethal some prop. Oh, also, Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor with a giant trench coat. Oh my god, that was so freaking funny. <laughs> That's how you do comedy where it doesn't take away from the match or like like it was funny cuz Saddam Singh is so goddamn big. <laughs> like it just it worked. Yeah, they were still barely taller than him, which is wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the, the funniest thing to me is anytime Sanjay Dutt gets in between Satnam Singh and anyone else and is like holding him back. And it's like, yeah. that is laughable. <laughs> like your your chin is at his belt. Like, seriously, mm-hmm. <laughs> he is so much bigger so than Sanjay big. Dutt. And that makes Sanjay Dutt like hilarious as the manager yeah. there. Another manager who has a yeah. totally different style. And uh, I really enjoyed the uh, the trios match on uh, Rampage as well. Oh, yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Sanjay Dutt, man, stock up to him. So fun having him on TV. Just so like a great. blast for the past for me, too, because like I remember watching him in like TNA and stuff yep. and then didn't really think about him for a long time. I'm like, oh, shit. Welcome back, dude. Um, and now seeing like the role he has backstage, too. Um, you know, I'm just good for him on on finding his uh, his role here. Um, what you got for me? I really dug the main event. Uh, yeah. We had a really good showing from Jericho and Yuta, um, which I kind of expected. I think Yuta is the ideal kind of opponent for Chris Jericho at the stage in his career. Um, he can fly around the ring and do all the things. And um, he's so bendy. Jericho yeah. was able to put the lion tamer on him like legit. And yeah. it looked excruciating. Yeah. Another thing of like, huh, man, AW hasn't built stars. They've turned Yuta Wheeler from just kind of, okay, he's there. He's really good to a bona fide star in like six months. Like, I mean, Yuta is like what it looks like when you strap the rocket to somebody. Uh, yeah. Like, he went from being a <laughs> peripheral member of the best friends to holding a championship and being a part of really prominent matches in the biggest faction in the company. Like yeah. Blackpool Combat Club is the top. There there is nothing higher than that. And I mean they have three championships, you know. The only one who doesn't is, you know, Brian Danielson, Danielson who's like everybody's <laughs> favorite fucking wrestler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um honestly, I hope that becomes a story point at some point. Danielson just be like, "I need a title." <laughs> like, let's go get me a title. Um yeah, this this was this was fun. 
I, I feel like at, at Jericho's stage of his career, it really does depend on his his opponent on whether or not the match is going to draw me in. Because if it's someone who can't do this work like Yuta did, I just have a lot of trouble caring. Um, like I look at the like his Jericho's match with like Orange Cassidy, his his little run a few like two years ago. Great stuff. Made me really care about Orange Cassidy. Same thing, MJF. MJF can sell like crazy. MJF can make Jericho look like a million bucks. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, by the way, is he really the last survivor of the Heart Dungeon? Because wasn't Natalia trained in the Heart Dungeon? Yes. Like, isn't she considered the last person to be trained in the Heart Dungeon? I think Tyson Kidd. I thought they trained together. I, like, I thought that's where, like... They were both like in that last group. I mean, so there's also the element of like, who do you fucking trust? Because it's all like everything that's presented on WWE television. You take with a grain of salt, because I definitely remember them talking about Tyson Kidd as being the last student of the heart dungeon. But yeah, I mean, he and Natalia were there together. But, you know, I, I don't know what distinction they're making here. Also, uh, what's the distinction between Lionheart Chris Jericho? I'm just thinking of back to like WCW version of Chris Jericho. I'm like, he can't move that way anymore. No, but he'll come out with a leather vest and okay, you know the look. The, I mean, remember when he did that for? Didn't he do that for ECW One Night Stand? Oh, you're right. Where he came yeah, out as Lionheart right, right. Jericho, and it totally mm-hmm. had a different flavor, and okay. he did some different things in the ring. I mean, the character aspect of it is something I expect Jericho to nail. Like, yeah, that is his A plus S tier, like ability best skill as a pro wrestler um, is his character work and mm-hmm. his reinventions and the way that he keeps those things distinct from one another. Yeah. Yeah. Well, something I want to talk about, and this is from kind of this week's Dynamite, but also some of the last week's stuff. Uh, I think they're strapping the rocket to Daniel Garcia, you know, uh, Wheel of Yuta style. Um, he fucking beat danielson i know there was chicanery and but I, I think it's important that he actually won that match because i don't want the bcc to just always roll over you know lower tier wrestlers not that garcia is a lower tier but you know what i mean star power whatever oh, he's lower tier than brian danielson i don't think that's most people are <laughs> so, you know um but that match last week i i was there in person uh you know, without I had I rewatched it with commentary, and commentary did a really good job of emphasizing Danielson came back too soon. Um, it took a little bit once you know live with no commentary to catch up on that, but it was one of those matches that watching it the second time with commentary just really added to the experience. And yeah, Garcia like calling himself the Dragon Slayer this week, saying, "Hey, when you come back, I got your number." Like, oh man, put those guys in. I want a best of five series with someone in any like anything i just i love the dynamic of like a best of five best of seven especially if the two guys can work um i would love for that to happen but yeah strap the rocket to him too because he's i don't know if he's i feel like his one weakness is he still has to kind of work on the mic but he's not bad like that promo was clear concise to the point i just think maybe a few more nuance or something like that but overall i think he's what he has is confidence on the mic. Mm-hmm. Like his deliveries don't feel tentative. And I think the other skills around that will develop with more reps. Yeah. Uh, 
but he's someone who I don't have any worries when he has to cut a promo or get on the mic. He's not going to get stuck and stumble over trying to get a word out or something. He does uh, enunciate very clearly and, and gets his his words out cleanly. So, uh, yeah, I, I I agree. I think Garcia is poised to have a huge remainder of 2022 and then on moving forward. Um, award seasons could be very interesting this year of thinking about like who the breakout star of 2022 is like, I don't fucking know. There's so many to choose can, from. Can Dax Harwood be the breakout star? I mean, that's the thing. there's so many people you can legitimately make an argument for. I don't think anyone's having a better year than Dax Harwood to this point. Um, no, he's my wrestler of the year unless something drastically changes. I'm telling you yeah, that. Yeah, something August. pretty ridiculous has to happen for that to to change. At this point, he's just been so amazing, and I don't think anyone's been wrestling at a higher quality than he has. No, and, and since we didn't record last week, can we just talk about that two out of three falls between uh, FTR and the Briscoes? I I literally was like, at, I was at that event too, and I looked at my watch. I'm like. This pay-per-view is going by fast. Mm-hmm. There's like still an hour left. And I know the match didn't go to a full hour. It was like 45, 50 minutes. But fuck, dude. They they Omega Okada'd it. <laughs> like It was really it, good. Uh it's God, I hate trying to rank in my head, but it's in the top one or two matches I've ever seen in person. Like it it was truly special. The crowd yeah. There were some reports that like the crowd didn't sound into it on TV. I wonder if there was just some audio issues, but the crowd was into that match from start to finish. Like every near fall, like when when the Briscoes pulled out to a one zero lead, like fans were like screaming, waiting for the second fall to start. Like, yeah. So that was not my experience of watching it. My experience of watching it was that the crowd was engaged. Yeah. So I don't know what people were. See, I, I I just Meltzer tweeted something and people ran with it. Honestly, I think that's it. Like the Dragon Lee Roosh match. Well, I was there. That was the that was the popcorn break match, which is wild. But honestly, on a show that tight and condensed, like you had to go at some point. Like I had to I had to piss so bad. Joel. I had to go <laughs> during Roosh and Dragon Lee. And I think it was that match that Meltzer tweeted about. Um, But back to FTR Briscoe, the like unprotected pile driver off the turnbuckle to close that. I've never seen that. I don't think we'll see that That spot anytime soon. Yeah. And just props to the Briscoes. Cause I knew FTR had it in them. I hadn't, you know, I've seen the Briscoes, but it's not like I've seen them as much. I've seen like the young bucks or some other teams. So like, I didn't know if the Briscoes had it in them and just all around, man, just great match. Great work. Uh, there's a match from early, early Ring of Honor between the Briscoes uh, when Mark was only 17. Jesus. And they just beat the ever loving shit out of each other for like 20 minutes. And that was like 20 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, they're so good. They're so good. I had no doubts about this match. (laughs) Yeah, it's. I think it's my match of the year. Like if we're going to do the what's going to happen, you know, in our awards, I'm pretty sure that's match of the year for me. We will just have to wait and see what the rest of 2022 uh, brings us. 
I want to go back and watch Supercard of Honor because I heard from a lot of people that that match was either on par or maybe even slightly better, but I have to watch it. I like a match with no stipulation in general better Mm -hmm. than a match with a stipulation, Um, especially if I'm going to cherry pick a match without watching like everything leading up to it. Yeah, I feel like stipulations can sometimes be disappointing um, when you haven't had all of the storyline leading into it to make it feel like it's earned. Yeah. And uh, so when you're cherry picking a match from a, a time period that's already happened, I find that matches that don't have stipulations tend to be better. Uh, but that's just me. I will say about the, the the two out of three falls, each fall felt unique Yeah, in terms of the way they worked it, which I thought was really cool. Like they had distinct like styles and spots for each fall. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have any. I, there's so much we probably missed over the last two weeks with Ring of Honor, a couple Dynamites and Rampages. But I feel like we talked about a lot. Hey, it's um, our show. We talk about what we feel like. God damn it. Scratch that. Can I talk about one more thing? Uh, briefly, we didn't get yeah. to talk about this last week. Yeah, briefly. Um, just the improvement. Uh, I, 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 My girlfriend came with me to, to, to Dynamite and she knows Jungle Boy because I've mentioned him before. I mentioned the Luke Perry connection. She has an odd crush on him. <laughs> Which and There's nothing odd about that. Nothing odd about it. Um, and I kind of told him, like, yeah, he's great in the ring. He's got a good look. He's just not the greatest on the mic. And then he cut that promo last week. And she's like, the fuck were you talking about? <laughs> like, I don't know. He didn't do this a month ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, but, I think I, I think you've been in denial about him getting better on the mic. Maybe this, it, it was not something that happened overnight. He did not immediately <laughs> get better. This has been a gradual change. And yes, that was the best promo that he has cut to date. But like this was the culmination of a steady improval over a period of time. Yeah. So props to that. I'm really enjoying this Christian Cage uh, Jungle Boy feud. And a few notes from Anne. This will be real quick. She didn't like that we always had to stand up and down. She didn't know when to stand and when to sit. <laughs> um, two, she's like, a lot of random people always came running out. I didn't know who was who. Um, yeah. So uh, she uh, likes that the women aren't sexualized like wrestling when we were younger. So props to AEW. Um, and yeah, she loves Jungle Boy. Those were her notes. I was going to have her come on the pod, but she didn't want to. So, so I, these I were her notes. I, I could co-sign all of those points. Like, I don't generally speaking like run-ins. Um, <laughs> I definitely think we should decide, are we sitting or are we standing? And I think we should be sitting. You paid for a seat. You paid for a seat. Use it. <laughs> like, well, it was more. it was more so like, having to get up and down multiple times in a single match. Well, yeah. He goes, well, I, now at, at one point she just stopped. She's like, no, no, I'm just sitting here. <laughs> I have done that at wrestling events. I have done that. Uh, well, she'll, she'll enjoy that. Uh, she has a, uh, a Patriot with you. I, I am <laughs> on, I am on board co-signed. Side note. She said she would go with me once a year. So I consider that a victory, Joel. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, all right, longer episode. We'll, uh, I'm not pretty, pretty clear schedule wise here moving forward. So we'll, uh, hopefully get a good cadence here. I've been saying that for a while, but we will. Um, Joel, anything to add before? I'm not even doing outro stuff. I'm just tired. Anything to say before we go to sleep? Join the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order. Future Trios champions. 
Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.